Welcome. Today we're on episode 20 and it is filled with 20 tips for sugar makers. After you're done listening to this episode, you might want to go check out solelyrested.com slash coupons to see all kinds of great bonuses and offers and specials available for a limited time that I think you might love. Also go to solelyrested.com slash gear to check out some really fun new things that I have been working on that I really hope you love. So solelyrested.com slash coupons and slash gear. And now let's do this. I'm Michelle Visser, author of Sweet Maple and creator of the blog and YouTube channel Solely Rested. Because sometimes the only rest you can find is in your soul. Welcome back to the Simple Doesn't Mean Easy podcast, where we talk about how to simplify our lives in the midst of modern day life, one step at a time. Let's do this together. All right, guys, I am so excited about this podcast because I really think it's going to be useful for a lot of people who maybe until they listen to this, don't even know that they can make syrup where they live. But currently, it's, um, what month is it? February 2021 as I record this. And there's been an unprecedented, crazy cold front that has swept our nation. My heart goes out to so many folks, especially I've seen so many like ranch holders and farmers down in the South who are just struggling greatly with the insanity of the cold, freezing weather they're getting in places where they never get weather like that. But as I'm seeing this happen, <laughs> as a sugar maker, um, the first thing that crosses my mind after I, you know, I'm concerned for them, <laughs> the next thought that crosses my mind is they might be able to very successfully tap some trees and make some syrup this year in southern states where typically it would be difficult or they'd only get a few drops of sap if they tried. But this year, because of the crazy freeze and thaw cycle that they're going to experience, it's going to be maybe the most successful year they would have at trying their hand at this. But I should explain, it truly is something, tapping, that can be done in places of the country that people have no idea they can do it. Most people think you can only tap if you live in the Maple Belt. The thing is, you can tap anywhere that there is a drastic and sudden change in barometric pressure. If you're watching your barometer, and if you notice crazy weather fronts coming and going, you can tap your trees. Now, if you live in the Maple Belt, then you specifically are looking for nights that are below freezing and day temperatures that are above 40 for a good portion of the day, many days in a row. But the tree doesn't really care what causes the change in pressure. It doesn't have to be the freezing nights and the warm days. It can be, like I said, just the crazy weather fronts that come through that can lead to very successful tapping and making syrup. So if you caught my last podcast, episode 19, it was all about tappable trees. And I put an end to that myth that you have to have a sugar maple before you consider tapping trees. 
So go check out that episode if you think you can't do this because you don't have the right kind of trees. You very well might. But I explained in that episode that that was one of the main questions I get all the time from people is, can I actually make syrup? Like, I can't make syrup if I don't have a sugar maple, right? And I explained how that was one of two questions I get that I'm really, really happy to tell people no to all the time. The other question is what I was just talking about. People will often say, oh, I can't tap trees because I don't live in Wisconsin, or I can't tap trees because I don't live up north. Believe it or not, like I just explained, it doesn't matter if you live in the north to be able to successfully do this. Now, I guess I should explain really quickly, and then we really are going to get into these 20 tips. Um, You won't have nearly as long of a run And you won't have nearly as giant of results as someone who does live in the Maple Belt. If you're in Tennessee tapping your trees, it's going to be maybe even just a few days. So you don't want to miss the window. Watch the weather really closely this time of year. Actually, starting, if you're down south, starting in very early January, the beginning of the new year, start watching for those crazy weather fluctuations and realize that it might just be a few days. And be okay with that, you know, realize, okay, if we don't get many crazy weather fluctuations, and I only get to tap for a day or two, it's okay, because you can still drink the sap. And if you think I'm crazy, seriously, go check out the episode all about that. Um, I'm not sure what episode number that is. Let me look that up. It is episode three. I knew it was early on. Episode three, I tell you all about the amazing reasons you absolutely should be drinking tree sap. Trust me, go listen to it. Okay, now to get into those top 20 tips, if you are someone who this is going to be the first year that you even attempt this, you're not even quite sure if you want to attempt it, (laughs) this episode is for you. 20 top tips if you're a newbie sugar maker. Even if you're not new at this, there's probably something you're gonna glean from this episode, so stick with me. Okay, because there are so many tips that I wanna fill this podcast episode with, I'm not going to go into extreme detail on any of these. I will tell you that if you want more information, go to the show notes or just go to solelyrested.com and look at the maple library of information there. But if you go to the show notes, I will put a link to the written out article filled with these 20 tips. And in that article, under each tip, you're going to either find a video that I've made over on YouTube or different podcasts that I've done or another article that I've written that it'll link you to to give you more information. Okay. Tip number one, you need to be able to identify your tree, right? If you are one of the lucky folks who has some maple trees on your property, but it's winter and you're like, well, I didn't even think about doing this. How am I going to find the maple trees? I know I have them, but I don't know how to find them. Don't worry. You don't have to have leaves on the trees to be able to identify them. If you are able to see the branches, and I know that's not always easy depending on how old and tall your trees are, but usually you can see the branches pretty well from the ground. If you can distinguish how the branches meet up. So if you're looking at one primary branch of the tree and you look at the small branches that branch off of that, if those branches are opposite each other, then you most likely have a maple tree. There are only a few trees in all of nature that have that configuration. So it's a really great way in the winter to know if you see those kind of branches 
and you're able to identify the bark looks like a maple, you are good to go. But like I said, go to, and I'm not going to say this every time. I really am not because it's just going to get old. (laughs) Go to the show notes. You'll see a lot more information. And there's a video where I show this to you. Okay. Time it right is tip number two. It's so important. If you tap too early, you're going to regret it. We did this ourselves. We had perfect conditions in January one year. And then we only had a couple days of collecting sap and it was too cold and everything shut down. And by the time it was the right time to tap the end of March, we had already wounded the tree and it had already started to heal over. Trees are miraculous that they start to heal themselves in less than six weeks. But what that means is if you drill a tap six weeks down the road, you're not going to be getting sap out of it anymore. So if you drill too early, you're going to regret it. So check out more information about that. Tip number three, drill correctly. You don't want to ever place your drill bit heading downward in the tree. Do your best to keep it level. Um, it's If you can have a tiny slight upward tilt, you know, kind of level with a slight upward, <laughs> um, then that's what's important. And you want to make sure you have a, a perfectly circular hole because you don't want to have leaks around your tap, right? And if you carefully drill it relatively straight into the tree, um, as long as it's not going downward, then when the sap does drip back in, it freezes every night. And if you're going downward with your tap, you're going to find out that it's much later in the day that your syrup or your sap, listen to me, it'd be great, wouldn't it? If trees just sent syrup right out of their bark into our buckets, oh my goodness. Okay. (laughs) Sap. You're going to have the sap taking longer to get out because it's pooling inside that downward tap. All right, tip number four, don't over tap. This is a big mistake that people make. If you want these trees to provide you with the amazing all natural sugar that they can give you for a lifetime, then you want to take care of them. That's why there are certain suggestions of the best way to tap because you want to protect the tree. You want it to give you syrup for many long years ahead. So basically the rules are, if your tree is a 10 to 17 inch diameter, you can place one tap. If it's an 18 to 24 inch diameter, two taps. And if it's over two feet in diameter, three taps. But you really shouldn't ever worry about going over three taps. You're not gonna get more sap from that tree most likely anyway. So um, to review, if it's under 18 inches, one tap. You do want it to be 10 inches to start with. If it's under two feet diameter, two taps. And if it's over two feet in diameter, three taps. Tip number five, don't tap too early. Wait a minute. That's what I already told you. Let me see. Oh, the time it right. (laughs) I'm just looking at my article as I'm going over these with you. And the time it right um, is referring, it, it is explaining how you want below freezing at night and above 40 in the day. And then there's a video explaining that, which I had already told you. So when I got to time it right, I went off on a tangent on this other important thing that if you go too early, you're going to regret it. So that goes up to tip number five. Tip number six, choose good footwear. This might seem silly, but I have learned the hard way and Bill learned the hard way. He really hurt his ankle a few years ago. 
I mean, it, it was bothering him for months after sugar season was over, and it really impacted his ability to collect the sap in his typical way. So good footwear is so important. You're out there in the woods, it's deep snow, it's icy, and because of the ice, I highly recommend ice grippers, these great little things, really cheap, that you just slide on, slip on over your boots. And as far as boots, I'm a Boggs fan, but you know, whatever, as long as it's a good boot that you have good traction, go with it. Toss ice is tap, tap, <laughs> tip number seven. There has been a debate about this, I think as long as there have been sugar makers, but I'm just gonna tell you from my personal experience, I have never measured the sugar content of ice after it has thawed out of my sap bucket and found it to be equal or anywhere close to equal the sugar content in the sap bucket itself. Mother Nature does this amazing thing and as the sap freezes, it freezes almost all of the water and not the sugar. So if you get chunks of ice in your sap bucket, do not waste your time or your energy, your, um, I was gonna say propane, but you could be using wood, your fuel, don't waste it boiling down ice because there's so little sugar in it, it is not worth it. Tip number eight, store your sap well. This is so important and we have messed up too many times to count and it's so discouraging to throw away bad sap. If you leave your buckets sitting in a place where they're getting sunlight, which even if they're in a wooded area, you know, in the winter, there's no leaves on the trees. So it, if it's a beautiful sunny day, it can get pretty bright at the base of the trees, right? If it's in the sun, your sap very well might get too warm, especially later in the sugar season as temperatures keep climbing up. And if your sap gets too warm, of course, it, it definitely spoils. You'll know if it spoils, it has an odd taste to it. You can see like little ropey lines in it. Never, never, never boil yucky spoiled sap because the syrup pretty much tastes, I've told, I actually have not had the wonderful privilege of tasting it, <laughs> but I've been told the syrup tastes like dirty socks. So never, never, never try it. Okay, oh, and what you can do, you can, on days that are sunny, if you're able to, collect those buckets early, get them out of the sun, collect them twice if you need to, and have a cooler, like a really big giant cooler, maybe a couple of them, somewhere in a shaded spot that you can pour your sap in and bury it down in the snow if you have snow, keep your buckets buried in the snow, anything to keep them cold and in the shade, and that sap is gonna be able to sit for many more days until you can get it boiled down. Tip number nine. Oh, I've already told you this. Toss your old sap. I just told you never, never <laughs> boil that old sap. Tip number 10, filter well. I've seen a lot of people use old t-shirts to filter their sap. And I can tell you, it really doesn't work well. If it's the only time you've ever tapped and you're not sure you're ever gonna do it again and you don't wanna spend the money on a filter, I get it, that's totally fine. Use some fabric, use an old t-shirt. But if this is something you're going to want to do for a few years in a row, it is so worth the investment of getting yourself some good filters. I link to the specific ones I recommend in the article and also in the show notes that's 
in the article that's in the show notes, as well as I'll just put the link in the show notes. Okay, tip number 11. I'm sorry, I keep saying okay, don't I? I'm just trying to move myself along because this is a topic I just love talking about. And I told myself when I sat down in front of the mic, I wasn't going to go on any tangents. I was going to keep myself moving. Are you proud of me so far? She says as she's on a tangent. (laughs) All right, tip number 11, choose the right tools. I have spent years collecting a list and changing it and updating it with tools that our family personally uses and recommends. So I will definitely put a link to that in the show notes. And you can also find it on solelyrested.com if you go under shop and under products for sugar making. Tip number 12, know what trees can be tapped. And if you listen to the last episode, you are already an expert on this. If not, go back and listen to that or check out the YouTube video that I'll leave in the links in the, <laughs> I'll leave in the show notes. I keep saying this. Um, that if you would rather, if you're more of a visual person, would rather watch the video instead of the podcast, or maybe if you want to do both, hey, go for it. I'll leave the links for you to check out. But there, know that there are 30 tappable trees, and at least one of them exists and grows in every single state of our nation. Number 13, invest the time. It's worth it. I think one of the number one things, the the complaints, I guess, is that the right word? The, the um, I guess the difficulties that people tell me that they just can't overcome or the reason they've just never really tried tapping or the reason that, oh, I did it one year, I'll never do it again. It's time. It definitely takes time. And I mean, guys, it's no joke. There's no, re- there is a very good reason. Why did I say there's no reason? There's a very good reason that syrup isn't cheap. And I'll be honest with you, I I don't sell my syrup because it's worth so much more to me than I could make on it. And I I don't know how people do it, honestly, how they sell their syrup because they're making like pennies on the hour when they sell their syrup, even at the prices that, you know, you see, I know it's not cheap, I know. But it does take time. Absolutely. Add to that the cost of the fuel to boil down 40 gallons of sap to get one gallon of syrup. And it takes time and money, right? But here's the thing. If you're not doing it as a business endeavor, if you're doing it for a reason differently than that, maybe you're doing it for the health benefits of having an all natural sugar that's actually good for you, that science has shown has all kinds of amazing nutrients in it, like in sugar guys, crazy, right? Or if you're doing this because you want an experience as a family, like you just want to experience this miracle. And it really is a miracle. I mean, it blows my mind that God chose this really cool way to give people sugar from the beginning of time. I mean, 6,000 years ago, they could tap trees. They could use actually wooden um, tap kind of things and collect in even like a wooden basket or whatever. And They've been, this has been something that God provided for mankind a long time ago. And it's just such a blessing. Why on earth wouldn't you want to spend the time experiencing that miracle with your spouse or with the family and enjoying the results? So don't be shy of spending the time because trust me, it's worth it. And tip number 14, install tubing the easy way meaning avoid the hard way. (laughs) Um, You might not have an operation like we do where you have 
100 or 200 trees that you have connected with long pieces of tubing that are getting fed into a giant collection tank. But even if you just have a couple trees, even sometimes if you just have one tree, if it's a really big one and you want to be able to connect your taps and collect everything in just one bucket, you're going to want to use tubing. So even if you're just using a little bit of tubing, this is a tip that it's really good to know. And we did not know it for the first two years. <laughs> Bill was really struggling whenever you have to connect the tube to another tube um, or to the tap or whatever. You, it's, you have to squeeze things together. And this tubing is meant to be tight. And it's really, really hard to use the connectors to get the tubes stuck together the way you want them. So poor Bill is out there in a foot high snow and freezing cold winds and he's struggling and working to push this connector into the tube and hated it. And he got to the point that he was almost ready to buy the special tool that you can use that makes it so much easier. But he actually, <laughs> years later, after this story, did wind up buying that tool, and he's really glad he has it. But you don't have to. You can use hot water to expand your tubing. If you just carry a thermos of hot water with you when you're out working on your tubes, tubes? <laughs> that sounded weird. When you're out working on your tubing, you just want to stick your end of your tube into the hot water and then it will slip right over the connector, super easy. And then as it cools, it will form this wonderful connection, but it was really easy for you to join it together. Tip number 15 is simply to keep it outside. Folks are often saying, oh, I'm just, I don't collect much. I'm just gonna do it over my my stove and my kitchen. And I go, eh, I really wouldn't recommend that because I've heard so many horror stories of people that have literally had to like redo their kitchen because it just kind of made such a sticky, destructive mess on the walls and the cabinets. And sure, you could wipe it all down, but depending on how much you're doing and how much steam you have, like if you have wallpaper in your kitchen, forget it. Um, so Keep it outside. It makes everything a whole lot easier. Now, when you get to the end, when you just have maybe half an hour left or maybe even an hour of boiling, um, when you're really close to the right bricks, which is the sugar content and the right temperature, then it's okay to bring it inside, but you're dealing with a much smaller quantity for a much smaller amount of time. You're not doing it for 20 hours, you know, and steaming up the whole house. So there you have it. On to tip number 16. Don't let it boil over. The best tip I can give you to avoid the mess of just, because it really does, when, when it starts to bubble up, it goes really quickly. And all of a sudden, your boiling sap has just bubbled up and out of your pot and it's all over and it, it just makes a mess. To avoid it, keep some butter nearby. Just toss the smallest little bit of butter into your pot as it's bubbling up and it will break the boil. It's kind of amazing how it does it. Tip number 17, save money. Now, if you just have this tip, <laughs> let me start again. <laughs> Don't you love it when you're talking and you, you had half of the thought in your head, so you just started the second part and then you realize that didn't make sense. Okay, 
if you only have one or two trees, or if you're only going to tap possibly one year and just give it a try, then don't even worry about this tip. But if you have a handful of trees and you think this is going to be something you're going to be doing for the next five years as a family, then this is definitely an important tip for you. You can totally cut your cost and your time in half when you're boiling your sap. If you first run everything through a reverse osmosis filter, check out the information in the article. I'm going to link in the show notes because this is something you definitely want to know about. And we have full directions there that Bill's put together explaining exactly how Bill put ours together. So you can make your own and it will pay for itself and possibly even in just one or two years. And from then on out, it's going to save you at least 50% of your cost and not to not even to mention the time definitely will cut your time in half too. Okay. Number 18, talk to other sugar makers. I can't recommend enough depending on where you live. There are variables and so many different questions you have starting out the best resource you can find. Now, granted, there's a ton of wonderful resources online, but the best resource you can find is the one that's local that can help you understand your own climate and the best time to tap. So find somebody if you can. Also, um, I have some tips here in front of me. This is from my maple syrup group. I asked my Facebook group that I run. Okay, guys, I'm doing this article. I'm going to do this podcast. Throw some tips my way. What would you want to tell somebody who's a first time person starting this wonderful journey of trying to make some syrup? James Brockthrop is a sugar maker in French Village, Missouri, and he says, relax and have fun with it, guys. There is plenty of time to listen to the perfectionists later. Richard Mount from Central Ontario said, remember to enjoy the magic and don't forget people were making and enjoying syrup long before fancy tools were part of the picture. Fred Amateur said, make it a family affair and pass it on. And that's a great point. When your kids have a bunch of fun with it, someday they're going to wind up doing with their kids. And it's such a fun idea. Matt Degas, oh, I'm going to say this wrong. D'Agostino, D'Agostino, Matt D'Agostino, <laughs> um, a sugar maker in Northeast Wisconsin said, don't tap just because it's warm. The trees will seal up before the real run of sap. And that's a very good point. And I linked to an article explaining more of that that you can find in this article. And Mary Von Curen, who is who is making syrup in the Mid-Hudson Valley in New York, said, you don't even have to have a thermometer, although I do like the reassurance. You know, I actually put a little, did I put an asterisk on this? I did put a little asterisk on this, just letting you know that I highly recommend a thermometer. It's only like $14 and it makes all the difference and it really does lead to some amazing syrup. You're going to go to all this effort. I would invest in a candy thermometer if you don't already have one, but Mary is right. You don't absolutely have to have one. You can just go by the look and the taste and call it good. Steven Johnson, who runs a small hobby operation that's in Western New York, he said it's a continuous learning process and I'm always setting new goals from season to season. Mary Van, I just, <laughs> I went out of order. I really should have like little 
a sticky note. I'm moving down my screen. All right. Okay. There. Okay. Um, Richard Mount. Wait a minute. Did I already say Richard Mount? I did. I have two tips from Richard. <laughs> Richard, you got on here twice. You must have left two comments and I didn't even realize it. Um, Richard, <laughs> he cares for 125 taps on a family farm where they have been tapping since 1889. And he said, you can boil down syrup to the thickness and sweetness you like. It may not meet industry standards and it may not take the blue ribbon at the county fair, but it will taste fine on a stack of pancakes. So I guess he and Mary would be perfectly happy, you know, without a thermometer if they had to do it without one. And they're right, it would still taste good, so, okay. And Michael Tan said, I highly recommend getting a refractometer. I agree, Michael. If you plan to put forth the effort to spend all that time boiling, a refractometer is really not going to break the bank and it makes the whole process so much better. And a good thermometer helps a beginner find the sweet spot for perfect syrup. I agree. And maybe, you know, there's so much here that we're just skimming the surface with these tips, which is okay. It gives you a good starting point. But maybe down the road, we'll do a whole season just about maple syrup and tapping and things like what the heck is a refractometer. <laughs> but I'll leave a video in the show notes that explains more of that to you. Okay, 19, grab the book of knowledge for backyard sugar makers. That happens to be my book. <laughs> if you don't have a copy yet of Sweet Maple, I really highly recommend it. And if you didn't already know this, I'm going to leave this link in the show notes. Please, if you purchased a copy, go to the link that I will leave and register that you have purchased this book and you will have access to $155 worth of coupons. Now this offer changes from year to year. So if you're listening to this podcast in the future, there might be a different value to those coupons. It might be more, it might be a little less, but whatever the case, whenever you're listening to it, you can access these coupons. Like it's like a lifetime thing and I'm always updating them and changing them. So if you've purchased the book, take advantage of it. These are all things related to amazing maple syrup that I really think you're going to love. So definitely go check out that link. And I guess maybe I should say at this point, I mean, in case you don't know, that Sweet Maple is all about how to be a backyard sugar maker. Every question you will ever have, and maybe some you'll never even think of, are answered in this book. I, I like literally poured two years of my life into collecting this information, doing research, documenting all that I was learning. And it's just my goal that you guys have this resource that hopefully it's around for generations to come, that this is something that families can do together without any complications. They can know all they need to know just in this one book, and then they can just start doing this amazingness right in their backyard. Tip number 20. We're to the, we're to the end, guys. And this one's really super simple. Just make sure you have fun. I mean, I'm, I'm not kidding. Like, it can get stressful. Bill gets more stressed about it than I do, honestly. <laughs> when he's doing the final boil in the kitchen and he has his jars lined up and he's all ready to pour it into the bottles and get the lids on, he just, I mean, I understand. Sometimes I get stressed too. He just, you know, he gets really upset sometimes. Like, I got to do this right and it has to be perfect. But I really encourage you to not always see it as it has to be perfection, but 
I mean, I get it. It's, you know, you have really hot sap and you have to be really careful and you don't want anybody to get burned and you don't want to spill it after all that long effort. And you definitely don't want to burn it. There's definitely things to be stressed over. I get it. But I just want to encourage you to see the fun in it, see the joy in it, and really, really try to have fun. If you do boil it too long, okay, you'll just have some hard maple candy in the bottom of your jar. If you don't boil it quite enough, well, you might have some mold that forms on the top, but you can skim off the mold, you can reboil it and recan it anytime, years down the road. So it's okay, even if you mess up, it's okay. So have fun. So that's it. Let me know what tip you would add to this list and maybe we'll do this again sometime. And I hope this was encouraging to you. I hope it was informative. I hope it gave you some pointers to get you rolling. And if you find this podcast useful, encouraging, if you just plain like listening once in a while, please, I would love it if you go to iTunes and leave a review. It would make a huge difference and it would (laughs) give me a really big smile. So that's it for today, guys. I will catch you next time. I hope everything is fantastic in your neck of the woods.